0: We have made it to the last episode in the creation series. Now, I want y'all to know that there was so much more that could have been covered. Uh, This is not an exhaustive series over Genesis 1 or creation that would take years and years and hundreds of episodes to go through all that could be known. There's so many great resources, so many great books and journals and scholars that go over all of the things packed in Genesis 1 and the creation story. Uh, But what we did is we just kind of went over an overview of the cultural context that the Bible was written in, um, and that helped us understand creation a little bit better. But today we're going to be finishing this series on the last day of creation, the seventh day. Uh, You know, the last day in this creation narrative is not just the culmination of God's creative work, but it is the inauguration of the world that he made. And for many readers, uh, myself included, day seven was just a quick little ending that kind of got passed by on our way to look into the more interesting things to follow, which would be like Adam and Eve and the flood and all of that. But uh, unfortunately... When we misunderstand what is happening on day 7, the implications of what's happening on day 7, we, we misunderstand God's reason for creation in the first place. And we ask ourselves, is the purpose of creation to be that of a playground for all these living creatures? Or is there a bigger vision that God had behind creation? And this is the question that was on the biblical author's mind, and it's one that God answers for us here on the seventh day. And for far too long, I know for myself, I missed this answer. But today I want us to search for what I missed initially, and hopefully we can look at creation a little differently than we did before. Day seven is really, really cool. So, let's read it. Day 7 is found in Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Now, real quick, if y'all haven't been listening to the podcast for a long time, or if you didn't know, uh, Genesis 2 in verse 4 is actually the end of the creation narrative. The chapter breaks that, you know, Christians thousands of years later decided to put into the Bible really doesn't help us that much because they separate the ending of the creation narrative and the 2nd Chapter at the beginning, uh, which which is odd, because it probably should belong in the first chapter. But Genesis one one through Genesis two verse four is actually one whole narrative, and then after that, it's a completely separate narrative um, working into Adam and Eve. But we're going to read Genesis two verse one through three here. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So there's going to be uh, a few things that we focus on this episode regarding what we just read, but I want to start with probably the most important in my opinion, and that is the idea of God's rest. God being said to rest on day seven. Now, for, for a lot of believers or even just a lot of readers of the Bible, we think of God's rest, we, we think about it in a way that suits us. We think about God's rest in the realm of how can God give me peace and relaxation and stressful times. But this was not on the author's mind when describing God's rest or his resting on the seventh day. The way that rest is used here actually means something far more profound than how many of us may understand God's rest. And there's two Hebrew words that we translate in English as rest. The first one is the Hebrew word Shabbat, and it's the Hebrew word used here in Genesis 2, verse 2 through 3. And if we read it in Hebrew, it would say he Shabbats on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And Shabbat simply means to cease or desist. And this is important to understand because all my life, uh, you know, the pastors I listened to, they described this rest on the seventh day as God uh, relaxing from his hard work, as if God uh, was tired and wore out. Uh, but really, the word here just simply means that God stopped. God stopped creating. He stopped um filling the earth with all these things. He stopped uh, forming and molding the world into the way he wanted it. God completely just stopped from his creative acts. This same word, Shabbat, is used in uh, Joshua chapter 5, verse 12, uh, just so we can see how it's used in other context. It says, And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. So the manna, Shabbat's the day after they ate of the produce of the land. So here this word rest that we translate as rest doesn't mean uh, a relaxation per se. It doesn't mean that God uh, just took a little vacation or laid back in his you know, holy throne. But it just means that God stopped. He stopped where he was. Now there is another Hebrew word that we translate as rest. And that Hebrew word is nuach. And that means to dwell or to take up residence or to settle. And we see the same word used in a few other contexts. Uh, one would be Exodus chapter 10, verse 14. It says the locust came up over all the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt. And the word settled here is that word nuach. So the locusts settled or they dwelled or they took up residence in Egypt. That's another way of understanding that word that we translate as rest. One more uh, instance is in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 10. It says, When you cross the Jordan and live in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies around you so that you live in security. So rest in this context is the same Hebrew word, nuach. But this rest is speaking about a rest that is involving the settling into a space where there will be safety. And the same thing goes for this next example in 2 Samuel 7 verse 1. Now when King David dwelt in his house, for Yahweh had provided rest from his enemies. So Nuach, God provides David rest from his enemies. Now, these two words are important. They're very important for us to understanding what's going on in day seven and the larger scope of what's happening in creation in general. Uh, The common point here is that nuach, this other word for rest, involves a dwelling in a safe, secure, stable place when it's used in these contexts. And why is this distinction important? Because if we understand the type of rest that God is taking on day seven, it helps us understand his purpose for creation. So just to recap, we have Shabbat, which is rest, but it's a ceasing. It's a, it's a desisting of actions. And we also have Nuach, which is a rest that involves dwelling in a place, settling down in, in a place. So when we look at the Ten Commandments, this is important. The fourth commandment covers the Sabbath. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, that seems like a pretty clear retelling of what we just read in Genesis chapter 2. However, there is a slight difference in word choice. That lends to a deeper understanding. So, if we remember in Genesis chapter 2, the word that is used for rest is Shabbat. That's the word that means to cease. But the word that's being used here in Exodus in the fourth commandment for God resting is not the Hebrew word Shabbat. It's the Hebrew word Nuach, the one that means to, to dwell or to settle or to take up residence. But it's also interesting, too, that Moses describes this when he's writing down the Ten Commandments, saying that the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, the seventh day of creation, referring to the Sabbath day. And Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which is used for rest in Genesis 2. So it's as if Noah is saying, hey, uh, on the seventh day, God rested. We know that because it's called the Shabbat, the Sabbath day. But something more happened because the rest that Moses is talking about in the fourth commandment is not a rest of just ceasing or stopping creation, but it's a rest that is describing God dwelling in his creation, the creation that he shabbated, that he ceased from creating on the seventh day. So the fourth commandment says that God's rest on day seven was one that involved the indwelling of God's presence into creation. That it wasn't simply just a ceasing of creative works, but an inauguration of sorts where God settles into the world he just created. Now, I don't know about you, but that's really cool. It's not just cool, you know, biblically looking at how the different words are used, but it's profound in our understanding of how God is involved in the world that he created. Now, there's an important repeated theme of God's presence filling a sacred space. And in this one instance, we're going to look at God fills the sacred space after seven acts of obedience regarding the tabernacle. And we pointed out a few episodes ago how the biblical authors love using numbers and symbols in their writing, but they also love using the number seven amongst many others. And they do this to point out the symbolic meaning of things being complete or perfect or created and the seven days of creation are no mistake, right? We, we pointed out um, a few episodes ago the prevalence of the number seven throughout the creation narrative. And the same goes with the seven acts of obedience that take place in the erection of the tabernacle that Moses built. L- l- let me show you what I mean. In Exodus 40, God is giving Moses instructions for building the tabernacle. And starting in verse 19, We see this phrase repeated over and over. It's this phrase right here. Moses did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. It's that phrase. Now, if you go through and count how many times that phrase is repeated from verse 19 on, it's repeated exactly seven times. Technically, there's eight. And the first one is a phrase that is talking about what Moses is about to do. But the actions that Moses takes after that is seven times, seven actions. Um, Certain translations will even break these into little paragraph, little seven paragraph sections that correspond with the phrase, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, this is important because Moses goes through seven acts of obedience to complete the tabernacle. And after the seventh act in Exodus 40, verse 33, we're told that Moses finished his work. Now, this is the very same phrase that is said of God in Genesis two verse two that on the seventh day God finished his work. So let's look at the parallels. We have God erecting creation in seven days, seven acts of seven days of creation, and on the seventh day, we're told that God finishes his work, that he finished his work. And here we have Moses erecting a holy temple for God with seven acts of obedience. And on that seventh act, we're told that Moses finished his work. We have parallels with the numbers that are used in the act of creating a place for God to dwell, and we have parallels with both of the subjects in this narrative finishing their work work clearly we are meant to draw a connection between creation the acts of creation and the acts of building the tabernacle now watch this watch what happens immediately after moses finished his work in exodus 40 verse 34 then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the lord filled the tabernacle so what just happened well moses just erected this tabernacle with seven acts of creation, he finished his work, and the very next thing that happened after his work was finished, God took up residence in the tabernacle. God began to dwell in the tabernacle. Now, for Israel, this is obviously important because Yahweh is dwelling with them in this micro-Eden, uh, this tabernacle that represents a, a micro Re- recreation of the Garden of Eden, and that's for a whole another episode. But we are meant to see a parallel between God's presence dwelling in the tabernacle and God's presence dwelling in creation in Genesis 2. But we will miss all of this if we don't understand the meaning of rest, of God's rest that he takes on day seven. The psalmist Uh, even referred to the tabernacle or the temple as God's resting place, as the place where God dwells. In Psalm 132, verse 7 through 8, it says, Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you in the ark of your might. So the, the dwelling place here in Hebrew is the Hebrew word for tabernacle. So the psalmist sees the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle as God's dwelling place, the place where He rests. And the, the word, uh, the phrase "resting place" here, comes from the Hebrew word minuka, which comes from the root word nuach, as we discussed before. So the psalmist sees the temple as God's dwelling place, His place of rest. And since resting is commonly depicted as God taking up residence in the tabernacle or the temple, it's very clear that God resting in Genesis 2, especially with what we know now about what those words mean, it's clear that this is a picture of God entering in and dwelling in his cosmic temple. Now, I know the the words cosmic temple may sound weird, but It's just another way of saying that all of creation is God's temple. He sits on his throne above it all. He takes up residence in his cosmic temple. The the tabernacle, the temples in Jerusalem, all of these things were ways for mankind to try and find a way where God can dwell closer to his people. And that's awesome and that's fine. But there's a bigger metaphysical claim that's going on on day seven. And it's the claim that God's not just relaxing from his seven acts of creation. But God is taking up residence in that very creation. And there's so many ways that we can see this understanding play out through the biblical story. The first one that comes to mind, and we don't have a ton of time for this today, but... How does this understanding of, of day seven, that God is dwelling in creation, that he's taking up residence in his cosmic temple, how does that change our view on Christians being called a royal priesthood? When you look at something like 1 Peter chapter 2, look what he says in verse 9. He says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light." If we remember the the priestly duties for Israel, they were carried out in the temple. But for us as followers of Christ, when we read the creation narrative in Genesis, we see that God is creating and inaugurating his his cosmic temple with the purpose of his creation, his images, to be the priests that serve him in that temple. Isn't that so cool? Okay, one last thing to top off our discussion about God's rest. Notice how day seven does not have an ending. Because every day so far, days 1 through 6, you can check them all, they all end with this formula right here. The phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But day 7 does not end that way. In fact, day 7 does not end at all. There is no evening or morning on the 7th day. Now taking this into account, this has led many people to take a different view on the literalness Of the seven days of creation. Were these literally. Full 24 hour days. Were there seven of these 24 hour days. Because day seven does not have an end. But that's a whole other discussion. But why? Why is there not this formula. Of evening and morning. At the end of day seven. Well with our discovery. Of God's rest. Being the indwelling. Of his cosmic throne. The seventh day of creation the seventh day being personified as completeness informs us that this day the day where god takes up residence in his newly created temple the biblical authors are being very clear they're letting us know by just the tiniest um redaction of the phrase there was morning and there is evening they're letting us know that this seventh day will never end God will continue to reign over his creation to no end. Let that sink in. Because these are the profound teachings that Genesis is trying to get us to see, but often we miss it because we are so focused on finding answers to questions that the biblical authors weren't even asking. Genesis 1 is a small narrative introduction that points to and speaks to larger truths about the structure of the cosmos, the purpose of creation, and the path that it is heading towards. God's rest on the seventh day was not because he was wore out. It was because he decided to dwell amongst his creation. We see this clearly in the narrative of Adam and Eve. They are always in active conversation with God. Apparently, they would have strolls with God in the garden. God is clearly there, dwelling amongst his creation. In the seventh day, not having an end, being standing out from the other six days, is trying to tell us that God's rule and authority has no end. Now, look, I understand. God's creation is weird. And confusing and it's hard to understand at times. Especially the things that we have learned throughout this creation series. It's definitely different than how we understand the world to be today. But the Bible's way of describing all of this is certainly foreign to us. But the most important message that we are meant to derive is not scientific in nature. It is in fact the core of all reality. And that message is this. That creation did not come from nothing. It did not spawn from evil and pain and death and suffering. Life is not blind and meaningless. But that creation came from an all-powerful, all-loving God who injected every ounce of it with meaning and purpose. And although we may not understand that purpose, at times we can understand this. That God is in full control. God's in full control of creation. And with that, we close up the creation series. I hope that y'all were able to learn something through all these episodes. And I surely had a fun time. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, If there's any other topics that y'all would love to hear discussed on the podcast in the future... Hit me up on the email or Facebook or Instagram. All those links are down in the comments below. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do next for these next episodes. I may just go uh, through some topics I've been interested in lately, or we may go through the Psalms or Ephesians. But uh, hey, I guess we'll find out next week. Peace out.